You're listening to Pacific Post-Ups, an NBA podcast covering the Pacific Division, with your hosts, Lewis Dade and Nick Boylan. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome in to the first of the season previews for the Pacific Post-Ups. Nick, I know you've still got championship champagne in your mouth, but it's uh, it's time to focus on the 2022-2023 season, I think, right? No, I think that uh, it, it was really interesting to sort of see how quickly the dialogue shifts from, uh, you know, one season finishing to an off-season to now getting to the point where there's not a lot of free agency signings and the talking heads are talking a lot of uh, tripe. Um, so it's good to actually talk about some tangible things um, that exist in the new season of NBA. And you said, you mentioned the champagne law. I think it's only fair that we kick off our season uh, preview uh, episodes with um, the now defending champions, uh, Golden State Warriors. I completely agree. Uh, and, you know, they've probably had a, a fairly complete off season now. They obviously kind of had more uh, you know, fringe tasks when you come off winning a championship. You don't tend to make major moves despite all the Kevin Durant rumors. And look, you know, all of these all of these podcasts we do as a preseason pod come under the caveat that we're, we're not expecting a major trade. Um, we're going to kind of assume from this point onwards that the rosters are staying as is. Should we should we start with the outs, Nick? Which we have touched on a little bit the last couple of weeks. Some some big ones, some small ones. Um, yeah, why don't you why don't you hit it off with talking about who you think matters the most? Yeah, I mean, so running through the list, obviously, um, you know, the, the, we've we've mentioned all these guys. Obviously, Gary Payton the second going to Portland, uh, Otto Porter Jr. going to Canada to play for the Raptors. Nemanja Bjelica checking out of the NBA to go back. Uh, to Europe and play for Fenerbahce, uh, Damian Lee to the Phoenix Suns, and Juan Descano Anderson to the Lakers. Um, I mean, the, the obvious one we talked about last week, um, the the young glove, um, GP two, him going was a yeah was a was a big blow. Um, I'm really interested to sort of see how Golden State seek to uh, not replace because I don't think he can replace someone who's you know got claims you know. Um, to re- to really win a defensive player of the year, and probably could have done it if he maybe played some more minutes. I'm, not, I'm, you know, that that argument's there to be had. But um, replacing what he's able to do um in the backcourt um on the defensive end of the floor, I think you know shapes as the the largest challenge um for Golden State heading into um this season, Lou. So I think that you know his his loss is uh p- perhaps going to be the the most uh, felt by the Warriors. Yeah, look, he certainly swung. Uh, the finals when he came back in, uh, he's really, really versatile. Um, the ball pressure is is really underrated. And the fact that he became, you know, a, a net positive offensive player just by staying within his own, you know, skill set uh, was really important. I think he hopefully will flourish in Portland. I, I don't know if they'll be able to find a spot in the starting lineup for him. And I don't know what they'll jiggle there with Anthony Simons or Damian Lillard, but... Mm the way he was able to be a, a perfect backcourt mate to someone like Steph um, really highlights it. I'm sure he can do great work alongside Dame as well, a smart cutter. So, yeah, look, we, we touched on it last week. It's It was a price tag that I understand why the Warriors weren't going to pay it. it. It's absurd. Not his, not the actual contract, the luxury tax. The contract's a yep. great contract for Portland, I think. Um, but, yeah, it will uh, 
certainly be interesting to see how Steve Kerr amends his rotation with Gary Payton no longer there. Um, Otto Porter is obviously one of the other key ones there. He took a, I think a six million, one year, $6 million deal from Toronto. I think it actually might have a, a player option on the second year. Uh, it does. Um, you know, it, it, by all reports, there was a minimum offer from the Warriors on the table. I think it was a hard choice for him to walk away from, um, you know, a bit more money from Toronto and his wife's from Canada as well. So uh, perfectly reasonable choice from OPJ. But uh, that's probably the the other key rotation piece they've lost, Nick. Uh, I think some of the moves they've made in, in free agency can cover up potentially a little bit more of that or their, mm-hmm. their young draft guys developing. Um, who do you think fills the most of his minutes? It's it's an interesting one because I feel like the big wing um, slash sort of you know some smaller smaller front court guys um, like small ball fives you can kind of they've Golden State that's an area I think they've they've covered okay um, particularly with someone who is expecting to sign very soon um, who I know you and I were both um, pretty keen on for the Warriors uh, who we'll talk about in a second but um, I think that you know. Jonathan Kaminga's growth, um, although we weren't, you and I weren't really big raps on what we sort of saw out of him in summer league. I think that, you know, playing within his role for the Warriors, uh, you know, actual team rather than the, the team that's playing in Vegas where everybody's trying to get theirs. Um, I think that he has a chance to take some of these minutes, although he's a very different player to Otto Porter. Um, I think that he's, you know, it's that sort of... Uh, minute uh, allocation in the front court um, is there for um, for Joku to try to take. Um, so I expect to see, you know, a fair bit of growth out of him, um, you know, with the defensive decisions that he makes, which is something that, you know, I think Porter's was probably a bit underrated as a part of his game is that, you know, I think a lot of people talked about the shooting and his ability to, um, you know, pull down some, you know, really crucial rebounds. But I think that although he probably, you know, he's not the athlete that he once was, he still moves quite well and, um, you know, was constantly in the passing lanes um, and came up with a lot of key steals um, really um, throughout his Warriors tenure. So I think, yeah, Kaminga sort of uh, shapes as um, someone who could really step into that role a little bit more and provide something different, uh, you know, point of difference sort of at that four or a small ball five spot. Yeah, I agree. It'll be tough to, this is the tough one where objectively on the developmental path, you're 100% right. Um, And this is where as a franchise, you have to project out your young guys to a certain extent um, and how they're going to look year on year. But, you know, as we've alluded to with with an impending signing, they've kind of given themselves some insurance there as well. Uh, Nemanja Bialica, who, you know, he came and went in spurts. He was probably a bit almost underrated by the end of the year because he was able to hold up in some playoff minutes. Um, playoff minutes so he had some had some fun moments throughout the regular season but he did slip a little bit further and further away from the regular rotation as the season went on it felt uh you know um he's one that i'm not too worried about the the replacing and and uh damian lee is one that i think is more of a spiritual loss to me than uh than probably an on the court loss but it, it seems that relationships are still well and truly healthy i saw some funny twitter banter between him and steph this week nick yeah. um and, uh, and JTA is probably the, the interesting one to evaluate because he was a key part of the rotation two years ago. I guess not last season, the season before. Mm. Um, not so much this year. So objectively from the championship winning side, he's more of a probably a locker room loss than anything. Um, but I think obviously Steve Kerr enjoyed having him available on the bench if he needed him last year. Yeah, I think that um, both of those guys, Lee and JTA, were, yeah, were big parts of um, the season prior. Um, 
and unfortunately sort of, you know, Golden State were able to sort of, you know, probably boost their second unit a little bit more by getting some vets in um, who were were able to, you know, maybe play some of these roles in a, at a more consistent um, basis. Um, so, um, you know, Damian Lee was quite often a scapegoat for um, for the lovely place that is Warriors Twitter. And um, although I don't think it's he's as bad as, you know, sort of everybody says um you know he was quite a um you know at times cons- um, provided a lot of offensive consistency and spark off the bench um just has a really good mentality um although maybe you know sometimes we get cooked a little bit on the defensive end um i think he was still you know important guy to have off off the bench and and you know i would have been fine if um the warriors brought him back um you know to be an end of bench guy and the same goes for jta who yeah who's um biggest asset um, outside of his athleticism and versatility is just his grit and determination. So um, having those guys, um, you know, leave, um, as, as you said, lose much of the rotation, but yeah, just leave the locker room is a bit of a, you know, it's a tough one to swallow, but um, they've been able to sort of um, not replace, but at least sort of get some uh, interesting characters in, um, in the door uh, coming the other way, uh, particularly starting with the draft where, um, you know, we, we, we talked about sort of some of the guys that they had Lou, um, a bit of an interesting sort of selection um, of guys um, through their sort of three picks and then um, picking up someone on a two-way. I suspect with the way that they've they've run this draft that they're not uh, assuming any of these guys will play any substantial important minutes this year. Um, between you know picking up picking up guys you know late or in the middle of the second round or picking up guys with injuries or like Patrick Baldwin who is going to need some developmental work, I think. Um, you know, my suspicion is that these were all just, these were all high upside swings. Um, you know, if anything, maybe from what we saw in Summer League, maybe I'd like to see, you know, Guy Santos get out there and get a bit of a run. Um, but I suspect that these will be guys that spend a lot of time in Santa Cruz um, or they come off uh, come off the bench when uh, the Warriors have been, you know, dominating a team and it's kind of mid in the fourth quarter. Nick, but was there anyone that really stood out as a chance to potentially crack the rotation this year? Um, I mean, I thought Ryan Rollins was quite an interesting sort of player, um, considering sort of behind pool, um, that not, they're not flush with like really sort of ball handling guard options. There's a lot of wing sort of players that they um, have a chance with, and they haven't really sort of brought anyone in who's, you know, more of a ball handling guard. And I thought that his athleticism and um, sort of his almost combo guard sort of um, capabilities were, were quite interesting. It's just a shame that, Unfortunately, he suffered a, a stress fracture in his right foot, um, and he's still getting evaluated. Wasn't able to play in summer league, and um, I believe I'm not actually sure if he signed a contract yet. So um, there seemed to be a bit of confusion about that. So um, I'm hoping that he's able to, you know, sort of recover from that stress fracture and, and play a role because I think he looms as a really sort of interesting point of difference in the backcourt um, that the Warriors could throw out there um, if they need to. Yeah, the I guess it is worth mentioning as well with with Patrick Baldwin that guys that have had kind of similar like college seasons, I think, to um, yeah, Jaden McDaniels now in in Minnesota, who got drafted with high high upside, a, a poorish college season, can potentially sometimes fit straight in just be, you know due to the immediate physical assets and the the reduced role than what they play in college. Sometimes it is an easier transition. Um, certainly one to keep an eye on. We know that Kerr isn't going to give you know, heaps and heaps of minutes to young guys that are making lots of mistakes. Um, if uh, it, you know, if it sits in the way of, of 
what they need to do, which is, you know, focus on getting a relatively high CDM and the like, which I completely understand. Um, I guess free agency is really where the, the swing comes in a little bit more. Uh, you know, the, the, the name signing, I guess, so far has been Dante DiVincenzo, which we've uh, gone over a couple of times. Nick, I, I guess there's two things for me with, with Dante uh, that are kind of the swing factors here is how does he shoot the three ball? Um, because he's been a reasonable three-point shooter throughout his NBA career. He's actually been you know, a little bit inconsistent year to year. Um, you know, you'd think you'd look at his Milwaukee numbers are probably more a representation of the kind of looks he'll be getting um, mm. than what he was doing in Sacramento, although he oddly shot the ball better in Sacramento from three despite having to take harder looks. But then you start to talk about sample size stuff. Um, but if you look back at his last couple of years, you know, 21, 22, um, total overall, he shot 34% in the championship year in Milwaukee. He shot, uh, what is it, 38%. Before that, it was 33 and a half and 26. So if he's a if he's a plus three-point shooter, if he's 37, 38 upwards, then he definitely has the scope to give them a fair bit of what Gary Payton was giving them because he's quite a good on-ball defender. He can actually run a couple of pick and rolls as well. And the other thing, of course, with Dante DiVincenzo is health. Um, mm. so, you know, fingers crossed. I think that's a good signing, good value for money. Uh, it, it's certainly one that could swing either direction, depending on how his season goes, I think. Yeah. I think that they reacted pretty well to Peyton leaving, um, by bringing in someone who doesn't, he's a very sort of different kind of player, but, um, it, at least seeks to try to, uh, try to, um, you know, sort of balance out the the loss of defensive capabilities that you know that Peyton's exit, um, you know, means. So, um, and yeah, he sort of said that he offers a, a very different skill set, particularly offensively. But um, yeah, if he's able to continue to provide some floor spacing, um, be solid on the defensive end to you know pretty above average, um, and just be able to contribute in some in bits and bobs. I think that um, he's someone who could be a real sort of factor um, for the Warriors off the bench, um, you know, sort of depending on health and whatnot, you know, he could be a spot starter, I think in, um, in obviously um, dif- different, uh, different encounters, um, obviously played, a, 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 you know, started a lot of games on a championship winning team um, for, you know, while he was in Milwaukee. So, um, it's not a position that he's, you know, it's alien to him. So I think that if he's able to, yeah, as you said, Lou, um, be, uh, you know, as healthy as possible and that shot's dropping, then, yeah, he's got every chance of being, you know, I think one of the real, um, you know, big wins um, of free agency. I agree. Uh, he's, uh, you know, it, it, I think he'll fit in well to this system. I think potentially he won't have a, a massive workload. He actually can run some, secondary side pick and rolls and yeah. things as well. Uh, you know, obviously he was he was quite a quite a star player um, when he was playing. At, where did he play now? Villanova, I think. Um, so he's coming out of a couple of good systems, obviously, outside of what's going on in Sacramento. Uh, and he'll probably be used to the idea of being a, a 3 and D role player from his time in, in Milwaukee. He certainly knows he's not signing up to be the star here in Golden State. The, the one I'm really keen to talk to you about is... Uh, Michael Green, who's not officially signed, but he's gotten the Woj Shams, uh, you know, seal of approval, which basically means it's officially signed in this day and age. <laughs> um, he's expected to clear waivers and he should be uh, picked up by the Warriors shortly here. This is a deal that I really like, um, both as a locker room guy and a versatile fit guy. 
uh, I, funny enough, I first really liked him on those on that Clippers team that um, yeah. gave the Warriors a bit of a run for their money a few years ago. Uh, but he has bounced around the league a little bit, which is what tends to happen when you're kind of a, a middling salary that's a, a bit of a 3 and D kind of guy. Uh, really well liked by Jokic when he was playing in Denver. Uh, when his three ball is going particularly, uh, that makes him a great option at the four or at the five. Uh, I just think the versatility here and a guy that could play alongside Draymond is uh, really exciting, Nick. Yeah, I think that um, he, he's someone who I've always sort of been a big advocate for if Golden State could get to be a part of their second unit. I think he would be a really good fit with his toughness. Um, he's, you know, if, if they if they did an x-ray, what would the kids say? They, that finally has a bit of that dog in him. Jeez. Um, Felt weird to say, didn't it? Yeah, I, I don't feel good. Um, but... What, what, uh, youth culture aside, um, I think is right that he's someone who um, can, uh, you know, I think about sort of some of that you mentioned the Clippers, you know, quite a lot of the time when he was going against uh, KD and he's someone who doesn't really shirk away from a contest. And um, I saw someone on Twitter the other day, um, yesterday really when this was talked about and um, made a really good point that sort of, kind of sort of comes in as a bit of almost like a, a David West kind of role, someone who the Golden State haven't really sort of um, replaced that kind of, you know, sort of veteran, um, you know, bulldog kind of nature um, in their front court. And um, I think that Green's got a really good chance um, on this Warriors team. Plus, it's really good to just not have him play against us because he quite often plays very, very well against Golden State. Um, and, yeah, you sort of mentioned that um, – that playoff run, um, uh, sort of whether the Clippers, you know, really sort of gave the Warriors a bit of a test in the early goings of that series. He shot the ball really well. Um, but last year he shot the ball really poorly um, in his um, in his season for the Nuggets. He was, you know, 26% um, or 26.6% um, on pretty low attempts as well, just under two for him. So um, he's not the shooter that Otto Porter was, um, but still – is hopefully able to provide a little bit of front court spacing um, and can sort of revert to what he was shooting um, in the seasons prior to last year's against in Denver. I think you just have to hope that uh, the three point shooting last year was an anomaly. Uh, I think what is it, twenty eighteen nineteen? He shot over forty percent. Yeah. Um, you know, twenty nineteen twenty he shot thirty nine percent. Twenty 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 one he shot forty percent again. Um, so. Hopefully last year wasn't one of those weird he's just hit some sort of aging curve and now he can't shoot the ball seasons, uh, which happens more than I think it's going to happen in the NBA sometimes. But I, I suspect he'll bounce back. Um, you know, obviously there was some weird stuff going on in Denver last year with uh, the lack of creation around the Jokic as well. And that may have potentially affected mm. what was going on with a guy like him who just wants to be wide open and hit in the shooting pocket. Uh, defensively, he's an interesting one because... His box score numbers don't show up as anything super impressive. Um, you know, we're we're talking, sorry, um, we're talking what per thirty six here. He's averaging under a block a game and about a steal and a half a game. So he's not not this you know crazy weak side rim protector. When you play him at the five, he's not not an intimidating guy at the five. But I feel like he's really positionally strong. Um, Feel like he doesn't. I think he feel like he gets his fundamentals right. He's certainly not going to completely bury you when he plays the five defensively, which is a lot of the issues that you have when you go small. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as a four, uh, unless he's guarding a really, really quick four, he should be more than capable to hold up. So I think he's kind of 
going to give them what they were hoping to get out of beer leads the last year to a certain extent. Mm. Uh, and the the price tag is obviously nice and healthy, which you which you love to see in Golden State at this point of uh, this point of time, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, someone who yeah comes in at pretty low cost, you can, as you said, pretty switchable on defense and gives you some options to close um, in the in the front court. Um, you know, if you you're wanting to move away from uh, you know Looney and Wiseman and try to play you know a bit smaller with you know with him with Green and Green um, in the in the front court, um, I think you know would be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, um, I think that he's, he's a really stout signing. Stout signing. Uh, he's quite a strong player. Um, you know, hits his corner threes well. Um, he's a real catch and shoot sort of guy. Um, so yeah, I think that positionally he fills a need. Um, you know, I was looking for someone, I think uh, was actually talking to M8 James, who you'll uh, be hearing reasonably soon um, on some more pods um, going forward that, um, yeah, on Twitter that, you know, when he was throwing up a couple of front court guys and looking at guys like Rondo Holes Jefferson, I was wanting someone with a bit more front court spacing, and you know I got my wish. Um, so yeah, I think Green's going to be a really good fit in Golden State. I I couldn't agree more, and yeah, it'll be certainly interesting to watch where uh, you know how much how many minutes Steve Kirk gets him, what sort of reps he's getting. But I think if he's healthy, he's going to be a, a regular and frequent part of the location. Um, before we move on to a very fresh signing that the Golden State Warriors today uh, have today, we do have some. Warriors news, hot off the press, Nick. Uh, yeah, just saw that. <laughs> Yes, uh, NBA's fine Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob half a million dollars for his recent comments on the Point Forward podcast discussing the league's, league's CBA talks, which included Lacob describing the league's luxury tax system as very unfair. Um, I have actually seen a bit of discourse about this lately about, you know, let guys, let owners that want to pay yeah, pay for teams, don't punish them for it. I think it's very subjective. I think if you're paying for all homegrown guys, I, I do think there needs to be more of a, a leniency with luxury tax. Yeah, it should uh, be like a clause or something in there, I think, for, yeah, yeah. If they've, if they've been with a team for, you know, if they're either drafted by the team or been with them, you know, four or five plus years, there needs to be a clause. But to a certain extent, I can understand why the league didn't want uh, Golden State, you know, doubling down on their, on their <laughs> massive payroll from last year. But, uh, you know, it's always... Always good to see uh, an owner standing up for for what matters, and I, I certainly think uh, that while it won't change anytime soon, that this is potentially going to be a bigger topic of conversation as we get guys like Lakeup and and Barmer and maybe even Joe Side that just come in with with absolutely minimal concern for how much money's coming off the tax bill. Um, mm. Mac McClung, talk to me about Mac McClung. Obviously, we thought he wasn't going to get signed because perhaps he wouldn't fit, but he's potentially one of those ball handlers that uh that the Golden State are kind of lacking at the moment, Nick. Yeah, these uh hot off the press as, as well. It was, you know, good timing considering we're doing Golden State today. But um the reports that um from the reports that were saying that yeah, Mac Mac McClung has signed a, a one year non guaranteed deal. So very similar to um, you know, Gary Payton, Avery Bradley who are coming into, you know, the 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 backcourt battle heading into training camp, you know. Uh, Mac McClung's got a chance to to have a crack and um see if he can get onto um the roster. Um which I, I think is interesting. Um I I didn't love what I saw out of him summer league. I didn't see anything different in summer league that I haven't seen out of Mac McClung before. Um, you know, he's a good athlete. Um, he will be a very good highlight reel player for for however long that he plays basketball. Um, he can do some nice things scoring the ball. His playmaking sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired in, in a tunnel vision, but I think that that's very 
I don't know. It's very summer league, and that was a big problem on that Warriors summer league team. It's why they didn't. I don't think they won a game. Um, was because they had a lot of. They didn't really have anyone setting them up. They had a lot of guys trying to get theirs. So, I'm intrigued to see what Mac McClung can could maybe do. Um, you know, in a couple of preseason games, playing alongside some regular Warriors, where he's, you know, they're going to try to get that tunnel vision out of him because that will not fly. Um, on this team, um. I think my, my main concern is is his height, Lou. It's just that um, I'm all for, you know, for, for smaller guys getting into the league and, and really showing that they've got a role to play. Um, I just don't – a lot of those smaller guys um, who have done quite well have turned out to be plus defenders, um, and that can kind of keep them hanging around, I think, a little bit longer. Um, or unless you're an elite scorer like Isaiah Thomas was um, – there's also a reason he's not really in the league now. So um, I don't know. How, how do you kind of sort of see, um, you know, what, what we might have seen out of McClung in summer league? And do you think that, you know, he's got a crack at getting onto this Warriors roster? He might have a crack at getting onto the roster. I don't think there's a long-term NBA, uh, you know, career there. Um, I think, sadly, uh, you know, unless you're an elite, elite shooter, um, I, as well as being, you know, a high-level pick-and-roll ball handler and everything, I, I just think his size—it's uh, very unlikely you'll be you'll be able to stick him in the league. Um, and I think he's sadly probably going to end up being—well, not sadly, but probably going to end up being better off being the star of a team, the star ball handler in you know Europe somewhere or, or even China. Um, the G League or the G League. Um, he will be someone that puts up, you know, really good numbers in the G League, and these guys kind of float around every year where uh, they put up. You know, I think. Frank Mason a couple of years ago had won a G League MVP and it was it was on ridiculous, you know, po- uh, points per game and shooting splits and things like that. But it's just the NBA is a big athletic league for a reason. Um, mm. So look, there is a chance that he can kind of have a role as a microwave scorer for the Warriors that Steve can go to uh, when the time's kind of appropriate. But I suspect my my current bet is that he'll probably end up being uh, a, a star at a slightly lower level than a role player in the NBA. Nick. Yeah, if if he's like one of the guys who they're sort of penciling in for maybe, or to at least have a, you know, he's going to have a crack at that last roster spot. He's not the guy that I want on there. Um, I'd be much more leaning towards them, you know, trying to go another big. Um, as much as I do like the Jermichael Green signing, I still, I'm still very wary of, you know, the size department of this team. Um, but. I think, and also probably the guy who I really want the roster spot to go to is Quindary Weatherspoon, um, who I think has shown in really good flashes um, for the Warriors last year. Um, you know, sort of a look at his his game against Phoenix, where he really gave Booker and Paul a lot, you know, quite a few problems. And I think he showed enough in summer league that not only defensively, but um, I think he's got a real chance to sort of offer a little bit of what um, they're going to miss from Gary Payton the second, and that's um, you know. The particularly off-ball movement, I think he cuts really well, uh, makes really good decisions, and is someone who I can see, um, yeah, Steve Kerr trusting um, to go out there and perform at a defensive level. Um, I don't think that as much as I'm, you know, would love some, you know, traditional playmaking on this team, I'd be more banking on Ryan Rollins getting fit and then going with someone who's a bit more of a defensive specialist like Weatherspoon is. I agree. Uh, Weatherspoon someone's now kind of bounced around a little bit in his young career in the league. Uh, but it, there's certainly been spurts, uh, and he, he certainly improved at times as a player. I, I think when you're talking the last roster spot as well, 
uh, it, it's certainly worth probably taking a, guy, a shot in a guy like him that when you're going to, I'm trying to go again for a, a championship, uh, you're probably banking what he can give you more than someone like Mac McClung at this point in time. Um, as far as the, the bigs are concerned, there are lots and lots of bigs out there. It's actually one of the, the few positions that still got plenty of options in free agency. Um, I think it's a little early. Not that I don't think the Warriors will be able to afford him. I think so early that um, Montrez Harrell still floating around and there's a few mm. guys like that that you thought would have been picked up. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be going for a big, but it, it wouldn't shock me if Golden State Warriors leaned on a, a guard or a ball handler. Uh, you've got some objections and storylines written down here for the season. Uh, and the key question, as always, after a team's coming off a championship like this is how do they back it up? Um, I objectively think, Nick, they'll back it up really well. The, the only guy I perhaps worry about is someone like Draymond, um, who who seemed to really fuel himself on proving everyone wrong last year. Um, and obviously, as he he kind of gets a little bit older. But to a certain extent, I, I think that this, this Warriors roster will bounce back really well from uh, any potential championship hangover. Yeah, I think that that last point that you make, Lou, is maybe where my questioning sort of comes from, is that, you know, Draymond Green is the most vocal person out of this Warriors team. Is that a sentiment that has been shared by the entire roster and organization? And after they've won this championship, it's like, okay, we've proved them wrong. Now, what do we do next? I mean, it's always a, a trouble to back up. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen that um, with teams who have won championships. We've seen that with teams who have made NBA finals, that going again the next season is a really difficult task. And I think that's always a credit um, uh you know, uh, such a important part of why dynasties are successful, that they do have that mentality to, to go again. Um, I think that they're going to find some, you know, I, I always like to sort of find some internal motivators and, you know, guys on the roster who haven't won, um, you know, championships before and guys who have got chips on their shoulder and something to prove. I think that was a big part of their free agency signings last year that not only of what they were able to pro- provide in terms of, you know, a basketball standpoint, but, you know, Otto Porter and, and Gary Payton um, had, you know, very different sort of storylines, but both had d- individual things to prove. Um, and I think that, you know, some of the guys that they brought in, um, you know, Dante uh, DiVincenzo, um, I think is, you know, will have quite a bit to prove to, you know, sort of say that, he wasn't just riding the coattails of Giannis in Milwaukee or anything like that, that he's, you know, he can provide um, a real, um, you know, spark on a, a defending championship roster. Um, I think Jermichael Green shapes is someone who can, you know, who really, really wants to win. Um, and de- depending on who they decide to fill their roster with them, there might be some other guys on there. There might be Aaron Baines coming in there who, who they might really want to win for. Who knows? I'm still holding out hope for that, but um and then another guy who I'll talk about in a little bit more um, is, yeah, some of those younger guys who I think have got a lot to prove as well. So I think that there is enough internal motivators there for the Warriors to have a, a really decent crack at um, this season and maybe maybe prove that it just wasn't, you know, um, a fluke and that, you know, that they won another like they lost another hypothetical championship, um, you know, with some of those different injuries that you know ended up coming across their way. I think, yeah, I, I certainly think Steph will be highly motivated, Nick, because he's now at a point where every extra ring he can add to his uh, his list really shifts him up in the the total narrative that you know where he sits as an all time point guard, where he sits as an all time player. Um, so for, for me, the, the motivation for Steph is clear. 
um, because, you know, at this point in time, given his age, given where he's currently at, um, you know, if he can add another ring potentially in the next year or two, that really swings the pendulum. Um, not that these, you know, a lot of the time, these narrative arguments is player to player as to how much they care. LeBron, someone that's it's very clear to him, it's always mattered. Mm. Um, Steph, it's a little bit harder to tell at times, but the, the I guess the, the swing player out of those max guys is obviously definitely Clay, um, who... Showed, certainly showed signs last year. He certainly had his moments. Um, we got another vintage clay, game six clay performance. Probably didn't play like a guy that was earning, you know, roughly forty million, <clears throat> roughly forty million dollars. Um, but at the same point in time, for a guy that came off not playing for as long as he did, there was more than enough signs to suggest that he could get back to close to, if not there and thereabouts, to play. He was pre-injury, Nick, and and how he plays this year will be pretty pivotal to the Warriors' chance of going back-to-back. Yeah, I think so. That um, It was certainly enough out of Clay last year, that um, last season that we saw, um, that, you know, is um, really, really positive signs. And um, for him to return like he did after you, after you, you said, Lou, you know, such a long time out of the game with really major injuries, um, you know, is a credit to his professionalism um, and the type of guy that he is, uh, you know, did... I think he had, it was interesting to sort of see his mindset a lot of the time because, you know, I, I talked about it a lot sort of as the, as the playoffs went on that a lot, lot of the time it looked like he had something to prove um, with how aggressive he was at trying to find his own buckets. And at times that was needed, but at times it wasn't. So I'm really keen to see his mentality backing up after that to sort of show that, okay, I'm, I still belong here. I'm back. I've got another championship. Now, what does my game look like? How does he look um, with another season um, playing alongside Andrew Wiggins? Um, you know, he's obviously very familiar with how Draymond and Steph and Loon play, but, um, you know, that sort of pairing in the wings, I think, is really important for the Warriors going forward. And I think that probably the the area that I want to see him grow, well, not grow, but at least sort of revert more back to the mean, or at least it's a question if he can, is defensively, um, you know, replacing Gary Payton, defense is not going to come down to one player. It's going to come down to a lot of different um, defensive contributors. And if Clay is able to, you know, appear a little bit more mobile on the defensive end and maybe, you know, look more like the Clay on that end of the floor um, that he did pre-injury, then I think that that's going to be a massive boost for the Warriors. And it's almost maybe the best, you know, sort of quote-unquote addition to this squad um, that they could have. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, it, we talked about last year, he was kind of their version of a a trade acquisition. Um, well, this year, you know, it, it could be it could be development into becoming an all-star again. And, and for him, that might be the motivation. It might just be, mm. you know, gunning for an all-star spot, getting the recognition that you're still, you know, in that conversation. And obviously someone that was quite hurt by uh, not being included in the the top 70. Was he included in the top 75? Nope. He wasn't, was he? No. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, obviously, someone that was quite upset about not being included third team All NBA. So he, he's someone that I think always holds his own motivations. I, I have no doubt about if he can get back to that point physically. Um, you know, hopefully we see him let the offense come to him a little bit more at times. But yep. defensively, will be of course the other question with Clay is it isn't just injuries now; he's also getting a little bit older. Um, how yeah. well can he hold up? Uh, certainly interested to see with a full off season what he looks like. James Wiseman. Um, we were talking about Clay Thompson's salary. He's the he's the fifth highest paid paid player on this roster. Nick, um, he hasn't played a ton 
uh, in the in the first couple of years in the league, he's been a mixture of uh, of injuries and also not amazing performance when he's been out there. He's certainly highlighted his athleticism uh, several times since being uh, part of the Golden State Warriors. Big topic of conversation. It's kind of the the moving year for him here, year three. How confident are you that he can play a, a role, and if so, what kind of role? I think reasonably confident he can play a role. I'm interested to sort of see what that role looks like. Um, you know, does it get to a stage where he's starting in in front of Kevon Looney by the end of the year? Um, I'm not sure if it's going to that sort of meteoric rise um, will happen because that'd probably be the first time that I'd want a you know a top three MB, a draft pick to be considered for most improved player. Um, but I think that I saw enough out of summer league that has me intrigued. Um, and I saw enough out of him at the end of his last sort of stint with the Warriors before he got injured um, that he started to actually, it was looking like he was putting some things together, um, had some pretty okay games um, on both ends of the floor. I think he still needs to clean up his fouling. That's some, something that I feel like is really hard to sort of clean up when you're not playing. Um but I think his defensive timing is getting better. He's getting better at staying vertical and not making silly decisions. Um, and I think that is going to, you know, improve over time. And you can't, like I said, like I was saying, that you can't, it's not, it's a really hard thing to replicate out of like, um, you know, actual game situations. So um, I'm hoping that some things that, you know, he's been working on in the off season and, you know, uh, in the gym continue to translate um, because he's, you know, he's a really unique player um, both offensively with, you know, uh, you know, the range to expand for three um, to continue to offer vertical spacing and, and give the Warriors that kind of point of difference in the front court. Um, yeah. I, I'm intrigued to see what kind of role he provides, but I'm, I'm not expecting the world from him and I'm not sure Golden State are either. It's funny because objectively, if he, you know, could turn into the, the player that his ceiling is is at, you know, or at least start to show the signs, he would be, you know, the perfect guy on this roster. Um, you know, if he can make his mid-range jumper, uh, you know, obviously get inside, roll and cut, defend the rim, be a big presence, uh, rebound, you know, he, he would he would objectively be just, you know, Kevon Looney on steroids, really. But it's just not, not I don't see it happening this year, certainly. I think his, he could potentially become that kind of player. I think it's going to be, getting consistent reps um, and showing enough glimpses that Golden State continue to want to develop him as well. Uh, of course, if he can start to consistently space out to three and and hit those shots can, uh, you know, at a reasonable rate, then that also throws a different wrinkle out there and potentially gives him a different avenue to play more minutes. But uh, it's certainly one to keep an eye on. The, the last point here is obviously they've got a bunch of new role players uh, and young guys, whether newly acquired or acquired over the last couple of years, um, how do you think the new role players pan out? Uh, and, and do you think any of the young guys can and will make that jump? Well, I think that a lot of their, um, you know, the sort of free agency activity um, from the front office really showed, um, I think, some confidence and uh, trust in internal growth um, with their younger players that they're banking on. Um, you know, really the two guys from last year playing a role, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. You know, we talked about last week on the podcast that sort of both of us are maybe expecting Moses Moody to sort of take, at least play a slightly, uh, you know, larger role um, in the Warriors' plans this season. And I think that, you know, him and Kaminga, you know, they're, they're different skill sets. Um, 
I think are really important for the Warriors because they, I think particularly with Peyton going out and Porter as well, Moody shapes as someone who can sort of step into that three and D mold a little bit more that those guys were providing. And then Kaminga's, um, you know, I talk about all the time that his ability to put pressure on the rim um, is really important for Golden State, which is they're not a team that does that a lot. So um, if he's, Continuing able to get downhill um, and, play, and doing that role in short spurts that maybe get a little bit larger, um, I think I'm really um, excited. Kaminga's defensive decision-making is still something that can leave a little bit to be, be desired, and I think that's particularly aggravating sometimes when you see the athletic traits that he does have and how much he projects as a really you know plus defender, um, you know, just purely in terms of an athletic standpoint. Um, so if those two um, are able to make somewhat of a jump, then I think that it really evens out their rotation um, um, for Steve Kerr a lot more. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's the thing, right? It's both a matter of how they develop and how Steve Kerr plays them or gives them the opportunity to develop. Uh, I think to a certain extent, you talked about the way the, the front office is making moves to kind of, to a certain extent, expect these guys to start to take a step in the right direction. I, I think there's also the beautiful thing about winning last year is that they potentially don't have to go full throttle in the early parts of the regular season this year. They, they can and take a bit of a time to feel out if these guys are going to be able to play those roles moving forward. And it's kind of worth it to a certain extent. Uh, you know, you've drafted a couple of these guys in the lottery uh, and, and now it's kind of going to be the time where it's ideal to figure out what they can and can't be. Uh, and taking a, some extra minutes each game to try to figure that out is certainly a worthwhile investment from the Warriors perspective. Um, because if, if some of these guys aren't perhaps the players you hope they are, then you might still be able to recruit some assets. And if they are, mm. then you can start to shape your your team and your future around who you think these players are. Um, I think we're, we're obviously pretty clear now on what Jordan Poole is and what he can continue to be and develop into. Um, but it's it's Kaminga, Moody, uh, and of course Wiseman that are the ones that everyone's going to keep a close eye on. Uh, and you, you just got to hope if you're the Warriors that if those guys don't have it or a couple of those guys don't have it, that the, the off-season signings you've made are able to plug your gaps pretty well, which I think given limited financial resources, the Warriors have done pretty well to not leave themselves too exposed or vulnerable. Yeah. He, he, we haven't really talked about him a lot on this pod, but I think Jordan Poole sort of really shapes as having an interesting season. Um, obviously, we saw what he can do offensively. Um but I think if he's I'd, – I'd really love to see some strides from him on the defensive end this year um, to make him more playable um, in late-game situations, particularly in the postseason. Um, and because I think, yeah, he's got he's got some traits um, to do it, but he just sometimes just a lot of really ticky-tack, silly fouls that I just really want him to get out of his game. And, yeah, I think that some further growth from him, uh, you know, hundred percent could be expected. You know, obviously one of the, you know, I think probably a bit unfortunate not to get most improved player for being perfectly honest. Um, but he's someone who I think can still go up a couple of other notches, um, both with his, uh, yeah, consistency on the ball. Um, keep, like keep improving as a playmaker, which is something that was really promising. Um, but 
him now to sort of go into the season as the lead man off the bench as the firm six man. Um, not only is he able to come into the starting lineup with with the starters and provide that scoring, but you know I really want to see him lead this second unit. Like you know, a pretty fun second unit of young guys like Paul DiVincenzo, Moody Kaminga, and Wiseman is something that I'm quite looking forward to seeing. Um, and I think that's going to be a real you know crucial part of Jordan Poole's development. I agree. Gives him a chance to to really flesh out his playmaking reps. He you know he up to four assists a game last year. Um, one more thing I like to keep an eye on with Paul is that he he shot about thirty six percent from three last year, and it's weird because it felt like he shot closer to forty percent. Yeah. Um, you know, if he can become a a forty percent three point shooter uh, on the high volume he's shooting, then you start to then that starts to really affect the offensive player he can be and how much attention he's going to grab. Um, what kind of contract potentially he deserves as well so he'll be highly motivated it's a it's a contract year for jordan paul um unless they extend him before the season so certainly want to keep an eye on it he was of course a key key young player that developed uh into playing a role on that championship side nick we'll take a short break we'll come back with some fun quick hitters and uh and some awards Pacific Post-Ups is closely affiliated with OTG Basketball. They've got a fantastic podcast and YouTube network where you can keep up to date with all things NBA. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and YouTube at OTG Basketball. Back to the show. Talking some fun little quick hitters and awards here for the Golden State Warriors next season. Um, now, it's no surprise that uh, the first award here is MVP. I don't think there'll be any shock in the answer from your end, Nick. Who have you got for the Warriors MVP? I mean, it's Steph Curry. Um, someone who was very much on track to have a crack at um, an MVP award last season. Um, just you know, The 64 games probably uh, let him down a little bit in that category. But I think that he's going to be highly motivated to... You know, we talked about sort of you know, the Warriors showing that last season wasn't a fluke. I think that Steph is maybe going to be the most motivated out of everybody to show that um, and continue to, as you said, Lou, to add to his legacy. And I think that, you know, part of this sort of, I don't know, uh, the Warriors dynasty, you know, resuming, so to speak, um, I think that, you know, that would certainly be punctuated not only by, you know, obviously by Steph now having the finals MVP award, but, you know, getting another regular season MVP. Um, I think that, yeah, that's... He's the guy. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I tried to think of a creative, different answer to this, but there's just <laughs> no way around it. Um, yeah, Steph. Uh, Steph is, you know, he could actually potentially be someone that guns for the the league MVP again. Although I think at his age, he might not necessarily bother chasing the stats that requires you to do it. Um, by all reports, he's uh he's giving a very very good hosting of the uh, the ESPYS as we speak at the moment as well. Mm. Very uh, very likable man. But there's, there's no doubt that Steph Curry is the MVP of this Warriors roster. Um, so we'll move on to most improved, which is probably a, a slightly more contested conversation. Nick, who have you got at the most improved spot? Um, I'm, I, I looked at some, potentially some growth from James Wiseman and Jordan Poole, but um, the guy that we've spent a, a fair bit of time talking about um, over the last couple of weeks, Moses Moody, I think um, shapes as the, you know, a leader for most improved candidate for this Warriors side. Um, I think that... Um, what I saw out of him in uh, in summer league was quite promising. Um, some more, you know, self creation. I thought was was nice to see. Um, but as someone who, I think he's someone who showed flashes and maybe didn't play as much as we thought he would. Um, 
I think he can really sort of, uh, you know, firm up a place in this rotation and be a, a real key second unit guy um, with his shooting ability, um, you know, his athletic traits and, you know, um, defensive ability as well. Um, I think, you know, real sort of plug and play type of guy who's going to be, you know, I think a, a really massive part of Steve Kerr's plans hitting into the season. I think that, yeah, he's, he's going to show everybody that, you know, he's, there's quite a bit of improvement um, from him. I agree. Uh, he, he's the, he was the second consideration for me when picking this one. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's perfectly poised to uh, move into a much larger minutes role with the way that the roster's shaken out. It's kind of there for him to take if he plays really well. Uh, Moses Moody, someone we're obviously both quite high on for this year. So it's certainly a great shout from your end, Nick. I, I've gone with his, his draft counterpart, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Um, I just think, Given the tools, given the athleticism, the the scope for being a most improved type player is certainly there. Um, hopefully, he learned plenty of lessons in the minutes he got in his rookie season. He actually got a few, which is which is helpful as well. Um, but you know, he really provides something that is not too common on this Golden State Warriors roster outside of you know him and uh, James Wiseman, which is just absolute top tier hyper athleticism um, and uh, and genuine size. Someone that I think could flush out to play the five a bit more with a bit more practice as well in small ball lineups. Um, so yeah, I'm keeping an eye on Jonathan Kaminga for my most improved. Yeah, I like it. Small ball five Kaminga would be a lot of fun, I think. He's got the uh, tools. Exactly right. Um, now heading over probably to Lou, our uh, the category that we're we're going to enjoy the most uh, for the you know, the segment of our show that we enjoy the most. Um, we're having a look at who potentially could be awarded the most Avita Zubats award. Uh, votes throughout the season. And um, so we're looking at guys, if, if you know, this is your first time jumping in with this and they're wondering, Davisa Zubats has an award? What's going on there? Um, they're, they're kind of our underrated and unsung, uh, you know, players of the week um, that we have a look at. Um, so someone who maybe not popping off in the box score, someone who have uh, maybe provided a contribution that we didn't expect, um, usually some end of bench guys, um, or at least in the, in the second unit, we don't, yeah, there's very, very quickly, we quite often price guys out of this award if they start doing this on a too consistent of a basis. Um, so I think that, yeah, these unsung heroes are, you know, are obviously a large part of our show. Um, and we want to have a look at who uh, could be getting the most votes from the Warriors. Uh, Lou, you've gone with uh, a new acquisition um, for the dubs. Yeah, the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, he's a. To me, it had to be, you know, someone that's obviously not too highly rated or, or paid coming into this year is always kind of the thing you look at. Um, and and it, look, it's, it could certainly be a, certainly be our boy Loon again, but he's just gotten he's just gotten a lot of a, a lot of shine, a lot of love, rightly rightfully so, both on this podcast and outside of this podcast. Um, so, um, it, yeah, it's it's Dante DiVincenzo. Um, he's potentially got the option to turn into being a really high minutes guy on this roster mm-hmm. um, and someone that could be both three and D as well as uh, his energy is something that I think Golden State Warriors fans are going to really enjoy. Um, he certainly gives it his all. Uh, he's a really high motor guy, loves getting in the lane for steals, uh, can certainly get hot shooting the ball. So for me, it's uh, it's Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, I like it. Um, I've also gone with uh, another new signing. I did... Quinn Derry Weatherspoon is someone who, you know, maybe if that two-way contract turns into a, you know, a, a proper roster spot, then I think he could be maybe my guy. But at the moment, I'm going with uh, who who 
technically isn't a member of the roster yet, but is going to sign with the Warriors, and that's Jermichael Green. Um, obviously, I spoke about um, what kind of role that he could play on this team, both with his floor spacing ability, um, uh, what he provides in the defensive end as a you know switchable defender, switchable defenders who are good for a, you know a steal or a block or so, um, and just some good. Uh, sound defensive play, uh, a big uh, vote getters um, for the Zoobs award. Um, a lot of the stuff that might not show up in the box score. We we love the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. Um, but I think that Green's going to have some nights where he might come in and just have, you know, a little cheeky eight points, four rebounds and a, and a steal. And that they're the kind of stat lines that, you know, if we, we are you know, sort of keeping an eye out for them. There's sort of stuff we see, just these little contributions that, you know, uh, Come into you know sum up a, a you know um, you know a, f- a full package of a of a of a Warriors or um, a Pacific Division team's win. So I think that Green's uh, really got a chance to, to have a good crack at award uh, at this award, Lou. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know he's the right kind of guy for this award. He he does a lot of the one percenters right. Um, you know he's someone that I think will fit in really well in the locker room. Uh, so as we discussed before, great signing, but also a great potential unsung hero kind of guy because he's not going to put up 20 points a game too often. Um, but it's all the other things he does and the, the spacing he provides as well. So shout out to Jermichael Green. Hopefully it's a, it's the first of many times we mentioned him under this category. Um, Nick, we, we've gone predicted starting lineups and uh, you put yours in there first and I I couldn't find a way to, to <laughs> pick a lineup that without, you know, would keep my straight face without a, Without altering this, so um, you've gone with Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green, and Looney, uh, and I think short of a trade or a major injury, that's the way it's going to pan out. Nick, yep. is there any possible change you can see to that uh, feasibly early on in the season? Oh, early on, I don't think so. I mean, Wiseman coming into the starting lineup at, at times could be interesting. Um, there's obviously there's a lot of spot starters on this team, which I think is a really handy thing to have. I think that Moses Moody, Donde DiVincenzo, Jermichael Green all have chances to to play some nights as starters, and I think that's particularly important. You know, given you know this is a it's not a young team anymore, um, and to be able to spell um, you know the big uh, the big four really, um, well, the big five. I, 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 everyone, it's just a big five now. Um, there are, there are no, uh, you know, sort of unsung role players in that starting lineup. They're all jets. Um, anytime they can get to spell these guys, I think is going to be really important. So they've got some spot starters, but I think that they're going to go with, uh, you know, their, their most played lineup, uh, last season. Um, you know, continuity is key. Couldn't agree more. Um, and, the only thing, of course, you want to keep an eye on with this is is if Jordan Poole starts to get a bit restless coming off the bench. Mm. But, um, you know, this is objectively the, the right lineup for them to start with. Predicted record. Uh, are, you, are you backing in your boys to, to finish in a one or a two seed here, Nick? Uh, I mean, I put them down for 56 and 26. So it's slight. It's what, two or th- three games better than last season. Um, Golden State never strike me as a team that cares too much about seeding. I know that some other teams do, but you kind of get to a stage where you're winning like Golden State do, and they'll back themselves against really anybody. Um, I don't think there's going to be a sharp drop-off, um, but I, I do expect maybe some slight improvement, hopefully some, you know, fingers crossed, some some better health, um, you know, so Curry and Green and, and Thompson are playing, you know, a larger chunk of games. I, th- I do think that that will hopefully contribute to a couple of more wins, but I still see them as a 
being a top three seed in the West, but there's a lot of changes in the Western Conference, both in and out of the Pacific Division. And I, I do think that we're going to see some interesting standings, uh, you know, sort of um, come the end of this uh, upcoming season, though. I've uh, I've gone with 54 and 28. Uh, not too dissimilar. I, I just think that they're not going to be pushing things hard at all this regular mm. season. Uh, I think, you know, you've got to recognise that your, your core uh, is quite, uh, you know, old in the scheme of things um and there's no need to push things i think you're right yeah i think if they're in the top half of the playoff playoff bracket they'll be comfortable they'll back themselves in um yes it was great for them to get a reasonable amount of home court in last year's playoffs but i I think they've obviously proved that they can do what they need to do away from home as well um obviously the, the caveat to that is if a couple of the young guys really pop then this could end up being a high win regular season team because the young guys obviously drive those drive those wins with the energy on the, that side of the ball. So yep. uh, I think it'll be somewhere around that mark. Um, you know, it's uh, certainly one to keep an eye on, but I, sus- I suspect barring major injury, it'd be, there'll be somewhere between 50 wins and 60 wins. Um, yep. the, the final category, uh, Nick, is uh, is most likely to get traded at the trade deadline. Um, I've gone with, you know, not quite, maybe you get a few more assets for it, but I've gone in a, a high uh, a draft pick. It's not working style. Marvin Bagley dump of uh, of James Wiseman in this category. Um, there's not a lot of guys that I think Golden State would feel comfortable trading on this roster, uh, but James Wiseman is kind of the obvious one to me that maybe a young team takes a flyer on him if if Golden State decide they're kind of done halfway through the year. Yeah, I think um, I mean this is probably the one I would go with as well. Or I probably could throw in maybe Jonathan Kamika potentially, um, or maybe a Moses Moody. Um, if they're wanting to maybe go with a slightly older player to maybe sort of um, boost the second uh, the second unit a little bit more and they don't like what they're getting out of Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo and these two young guys. Um, but uh, Wiseman does shape as the most interesting one um, is that, you know, sort of, although we haven't seen a lot out of him, there's still that... Uh, you know, sort of intangible sense of intrigue um, that he still has due to the games that he has missed. Um, and particularly, you know, obviously, he, he's, it's not someone, he's not someone who's come in and uh, like uh, come off the back of a massive college career um, and then, you know, shocked it, you know, being a, a clear cut number two pick um, in the draft. You know, he's, there's still not a lot of basketball there. So a lot of it sort of looking at the what ceiling that this guy provides. So I do think that that potentially could lure in. Um, you know, some some trade partners to either boost boost their draft stocks for you know for, for some future years. Though I don't think that the you know what um, that uh, Steph and Dre and Clay would be too gassed with that. They'd want some players who can come in and help them win right now. Um, so yeah, I, I'll be like I said before, James Wiseman shapes is one of the more interesting uh, questions for the Warriors this season, and certainly a, a deadline trade um, could be part of that. Uh, to be honest with you, I reckon they'll sit pretty still, though, based on based on previous history. But uh, there are certainly another couple of teams in this specific division that I don't think will be sitting still at the deadline. Nick, that's all we've got for this week. Uh, it's this is probably one of the easier and, and funner teams to to preview. It's certainly going to get more and more interesting uh, as we we go on. Uh, we, as Nick alluded to, we should have a James Boo come on at some point over the next couple of weeks, if not multiple times, um, to give us a, a different perspective on things. But till then, Nick, it, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully there's nothing too disruptive that happens in the Golden State Warriors <laughs> over the next week or two to really uh, outdate this podcast. That would be ideal.
that would be ideal. 